The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the practice that um, I'm offering today is uh, it's based on the teaching that I learned from one of my Burmese teachers, Saira Utejaniya. Um, and it's a, a slightly different instructions than some of you may have had before. Very often in, in um, meditation practice, we pick some particular experience like the breath to begin in terms of settling down, settling the mind. And in this practice, we begin right away with relaxing and receiving whatever is most obvious. And so it's more of a receptive practice in terms of being aware of what uh, the attention is already connected to than it is a directed practice where we pick something to pay attention to. And so uh, I'm going to spend some time right now kind of framing the practice um, and uh, offering a few tools for how to do this kind of practice. The first thing I'll explore and and speak to is the purpose of the practice, because this particular practice is very um, um, kind of, it emphasizes just opening to what's here now, what's what's happening in this moment. And, you know, it, it can be pretty ordinary what's happening in this moment. It can seem like not much is going on. It can be pretty neutral. Sometimes it can be, uh, we can see um, reactivity arising in the present moment. And sometimes we can see um, states of mind like calm or ease or peace arising in the present moment too. But sometimes it's just like really ordinary. And the question happens at times when it's just ordinary like that. It's like, well, you know, I didn't start meditating just to know things are really ordinary. You know, what's, what's the purpose of this? Why are we doing this? And so I want to address that question. I would say that the purpose of our practice is to learn about our minds, to learn about what's going on inside, what, 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 how our mind is meeting the world. And to understand the ways in which our mind meeting the world tends to, through its conditioned habits, through its conditioned, you know, just the way we've learned to meet the world, we, we tend to have these habits of reactivity, of moving towards things that are pleasant, away from things that are unpleasant, maybe just getting spaced out or disconnected when things are kind of neutral. And so those are, those are habits of mind that our culture, our conditioning um, have reinforced and partly just our human, um, our human functioning has reinforced. I mean, this, this simple movement towards pleasant and away from unpleasant is a very natural human functioning. And yet it's, uh, it's, it's quite, I'd say it's kind of gotten out of hand or gotten out of control in terms of the, the mind believing or thinking that I, in order to have a sense of ease in my life, I have to go after the pleasant and I have to get rid of the unpleasant. And so that's a kind of basic misunderstanding of how happiness is even possible in our, 
in our um, experience. And so this, um, this opening to what's happening to learn about our minds is to begin to learn about this push-pull around pleasant-unpleasant and this kind of disconnection around neutrality. And the, uh, that understanding, we begin to see that as we are, are pulled toward pleasant and pushed away from unpleasant as we do that kind of uh, reactivity, we begin to understand that much of the way that we suffer, much of the way that we um, um, feel that things are off in our lives is not about what's happening out there. And there are things happening in the world that are unpleasant, that are unjust. But, but the way in which we respond to that often adds layers and layers of suffering in here that are not necessary. That we can meet whatever challenges, beautiful uh, experiences, whatever injustices or um, um, neutral experiences, we can meet that with a mind that is present and receptive and responsive instead of reactive. And so this is, uh, this is what we begin to learn. One of the things we begin to learn is we turn our attention to noticing what's going on in our minds. We see that a lot of the way that we suffer is because of our own minds, adding things. And the, uh, the purpose of our practice is essentially to cultivate an understanding of how that adding happens, of what happens in there in our minds, those, those conditioned habits and patterns. There is no... Um, my understanding of our mind is that the, it's not that any of this movement towards pleasant or movement away from unpleasant is hardwired in our minds. There is an option in our uh, response to the world to be responsive rather than reactive. And so in meeting um, something unpleasant in the world or seeing injustice in the world, the response might be, the reaction might be anger, frustration, confusion, hatred. Or the response might be compassion. And we can train our minds in the direction of letting go of the reactive side and open to a very natural movement of our hearts to respond in the face of suffering, to respond in the face of injustice through uh, a, a movement of heart that is not contracted, but um, connected. The contraction of our hearts around greed and aversion and delusion creates a separation, creates a kind of a, a division in ourselves and in our world in a very, very real way. The movement of our mind towards wanting to get rid of things, to fix things, to control things, this movement towards even just a simple aversion is at the root of war. And so we can transform the world by transforming our own relationship to our mind. And so in order to begin to understand our minds, we need some tools to look at our minds. And this 
so this exploration is really about beginning to, to find, to cultivate tools, skills that allow us to begin to see what's going on in there. And the witnessing of that, the seeing what's happening in our minds, the reactivity that's happening, what I'd say is that the our, our being, our organism has very natural movement to want to move towards well-being, to want to move towards ease and peace and a sense of uh, settledness, calm, happiness. This is a natural movement of our organism. And yet, the way that we have been conditioned to find our way towards that ease, that peace, that, that um, happiness is connected with this movement towards greed and aversion. It's like the, that that's what we have been trained. That that is the, as good as it gets in terms of happiness goes. If I can construct a life where I get the things that I want and I get rid of the things that I don't want and moment after moment, that's how I, I, I manage to put my life together. That's as good as it gets. And that is actually, you know, the Buddha, in, um, in waking up and seeing his own mind and the contribution that that movement of greed and aversion and confusion makes to our suffering, he, he kind of expressed this sense of poignancy that he saw people wanting to be happy and yet doing the very things that kept them caught in struggle and suffering. And so the... The, what we begin to explore is the possibility of actually recognizing and seeing that the ways that we have been conditioned, the habitual ways in which we res- have learned to respond to the world, and it's not our fault that we've learned this. It's like, it, this, is, this is the shaping of our minds through our cultures, through our families, through our schooling, through how we are in engaging in the world. It's not our fault that we have learned this. And so as we, um, as we start to um, see that, as we start to recognize that that's what's happening, this movement, this underlying movement, so we open to seeing, oh, there's greed happening in the mind. And we, we explore, what is that experience? What is the experience of greed? What is the experience of aversion? Just opening to it with curiosity, in order to, to try to understand all of this pattern of conditioning that, we have been, that has been poured into us. And so understanding is where we're headed today. Not trying to get rid of wanting and aversion and hatred and frustration and confusion, but, but exploring understanding it. That understanding is a completely different perspective. The seeing of our experience with mindfulness. What is the human experience of frustration? What is the human experience of wanting, of aversion? That perspective is very different than our habitual conditioned perspective of, ooh, something unpleasant? I don't like that. Let me figure out how to get rid of it. It's a holding of it with what does that feel like? What does it feel like to want to push something away? 
and we begin to recognize that that wanting to push something away is a kind of suffering. It is uh, not conducive to well-being in this organism, in this moment. And because it's not conducive to well-being, it's like that, there's an underlying wisdom of our our system, of our organism, that wants to move us towards well-being. And when that uh, underlying kind of deep mechanism to move us towards well-being gets different information, has a different perspective that it's exploring, that wisdom begins to transform and release the struggle, the stress, the, the greed, the aversion. And there's a transformation that happens. The releasing of the suffering of greed and aversion and confusion comes not because we try to make it happen, but because the, the practice of opening to with this kind of perspective of being curious and open to what is this experience allows our system to transform it. And so this, we're going right towards this today. Often in the, in the practice of meditation we explore, can I settle down with the, the breath, you know, and, and just try to stay with the breath and let go of any of those movements towards greed and aversion. Here today we're going to see, can we open to these experiences. And so we're going to go right towards what's happening in the present moment. Some of it may be just really simple and just kind of like, okay, well, what's obvious here is that I'm hearing and that I'm sitting and, and, you know, wow, this is pretty boring. And why am I doing this anyway? And boom, we get lost. And we don't recognize that boredom there is a kind of suffering. And it's an idea in the mind that's in relationship to what we're experiencing. That is essentially constructing a problem and making the mind feel dissatisfied. There's nothing inherent. If you look at a baby, you know, a baby is not dissatisfied with simply seeing and hearing. A baby is like, wow, stuff going on. This is amazing. And, and, you know, our minds get conditioned to stuff going on. This is boring. What else can I be looking for? So it, that, that is part of what we're looking at, is how our minds are responding, reacting. Sometimes we may react to, ooh, that's pleasant, let me move towards it. Oh, that's unpleasant, let me get rid of it. So we are exploring, looking at our experience. And in this practice in particular, we explore looking at the mind in particular. I call this my, this day-long mindfulness of mind. And that's the, the direction that this practice heads, is to be able to observe what's happening in our minds. Because our minds are where this stuff is created. Our minds, the, the contributions that our mind makes to our suffering, largely the, the, we're, we're not so aware of that. And so as we open to being, becoming familiar with what's going on in our minds we start to see how that happens, how that suffering is created. And so we are going to be opening to everything that's happening in the present moment, physical experience, mental experience, sight, sound, smells, taste, touch, and what's going on in the mind, thoughts, emotions. And that the emphasis is going to be on recognizing, to some extent, 
How are you with experience? There's something happening. What's your relationship to it? And so we're going to emphasize exploring this. This, The mind is where suffering occurs, where those patterns of constriction begin, and also where and how the possibility of moving in the direction of another response happens. So it's kind of a direct line towards freedom to begin to get familiar with observing the mind. So the practice that um, we'll be exploring today is, as I said a few minutes ago, primarily a receptive practice rather than a directed practice. Typically in, um, in, in many forms of sitting meditation, we choose some experience to pay attention to, the breath or some body sensation, and we see, can we direct the attention there? If something happens to pull us away from that, we, we let that go and come back to that experience. That's pretty standard instructions for many forms of meditation. Let go of the things that pull us away from the thing we've chosen and see if we can stay connected with that. In this practice, what we're exploring is the possibility of noticing what's already happening in the present moment. There's nothing that happens in the present moment that is inherently anything that we cannot be mindful of. There are simply things that happen in the present moment that we are habitually not mindful of. And so what we're exploring here is the cultivation of expanding or extending the, uh, the mindfulness to go into areas that we have not cultivated before. And so the, uh, the receptive practice, we will be opening to all of our mental and physical experience, but more with the sense of, okay, am I aware? And what's happening right now? Just a, a very simple connecting to a flow of experience. Letting go of any need to be in charge of what is happening. And so this also takes us very directly to, to an understanding of just the, the, the kind of the tumbling, impermanent, and in many ways... Uh, uncontrollable nature of our minds. Just, just that, that so much of what happens, what arises in our minds, it happens because of conditioning. And, you know, that, that arising is not something that I have a choice about. And yet what is possible is to have an awareness of what's arising. And through that awareness, there's a capacity that our minds have to be responsive rather than kind of habitually reactive. And so I'd like to speak for a few minutes about some tools that support this possibility of this receptive kind of practice. The first tool is relaxation. As we relax the body, it supports our mind being able to relax. And as we relax our mind, basically an an unrelaxed mind is kind of the mind that is caught into ideas and thoughts about past or future or what's happening now. And as we relax the mind, it kind of moves more into that very receptive um, kind of, 
the, the image of, the, of the, the baby comes back. You know, that the babies tend to be very receptive. There's not so much agenda in there, but more just this kind of like, what's going on here? Kind of learning from experience, taking it in, absorbing, being like a sponge. That's the kind of place where we're looking to land in this style of practice, is can, can the mind just settle back and receive, absorb, be with, that's a word I like to, to use, to be with experience. And, and the, a, relax, and a relaxed mind is kind of more naturally in that receptive, absorbing, uh, being with kind of place. And so at the beginning, uh, and we'll do a, a little guided meditation in a, in a few minutes. At the beginning, I almost always encourage people to relax and do a conscious relaxation of body and mind. And as, as practice goes on, um, it, it becomes more easeful and more natural to just, as we move into a meditation, to just very easily and quickly relax. And so over time, we, we begin to just attune to this feeling of relaxation. And we don't have to take so much time to consciously relax, but we'll take, take a fair amount of time to do that at the beginning. And so what we're doing in that exploration of relaxation is basically cultivating mindfulness through exploring, is there tension in the body and can it be relaxed? And so at the beginning, that's a little bit of directing the attention towards this relaxation. And so we are using some directed attention at the beginning to support the mind moving towards relaxed body and relaxed mind. And then as the body and mind relaxes, we, we may begin to recognize that uh, there is a kind of natural awareness that's happening. Mindfulness is one of the key tools for our meditation practice. And it is based on, and mindfulness we might say is a, a simple definition of mindfulness is knowing what's happening while it's happening. Kind of a working definition for mindfulness. That we know what's happening while it's happening. We're breathing and we know we're breathing. We're seeing and we know we're seeing. We're hearing and we know we're hearing. This quality, this capacity of knowing that we know, it's an ordinary function of our human minds. It's not something special or you know, exotic. It's, it is a simple, very ordinary, very normal functioning of our minds. But we haven't typically, until we meet something like a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, we haven't typically seen it as a valuable thing in and of itself, this capacity to be mindful. We've seen it as something useful to get us through our lives, predominantly to uh, have us find out how to get what we want and get rid of what we don't want. And so that mindfulness, that capacity to know what we know, oh, here's something pleasant, here's something unpleasant, it has been co-opted in the service of wanting an aversion in most of our lives. That, that, uh, that kind of simple capacity to know that we know. And the Buddha pointed to this possibility of knowing that we know when we are curious instead of having that that 
capacity to be motivated by greed and aversion. Instead, if it's motivated by curiosity and interest, what's happening here in particular in, with respect to um, suffering, unease, stress in, the, in our system? If we can be curious about that, this, this quality of mindfulness can be transforming. And so what the Buddha pointed to is this possibility of cultivating mindfulness from a particular perspective. And the simplest way I will put it is understanding what's happening as human experience. Understanding what's happening as something that is happening in the present moment. That sounds like a nothing kind of awareness. It sounds like, you know, how could that possibly be transforming? And, and that's where I think the brilliance of the Buddha really is, is, is kind of comes to me because he understood that if we can recognize, oh, anger is happening in the present moment. That is, that is something that's happening. As opposed to anger's happening in the present moment, this means I need to get revenge. Anger is something that's happening in the present moment. This is the experience. This is a human experience. And so that is a perspective that we cultivate. More of a curiosity. Whatever's arising in our system, whatever is arising, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, whether it's calm and peace or reactivity, can I be aware of it? And so we notice in, the, in this practice, we are encouraging this noticing this quality of mindfulness itself. First of all, this is, this is one of the explorations to begin to recognize this, uh, this very simple ordinary capacity of our minds, mindfulness itself, to get to know what it's like to be mindful. And a question that we use in the practice around that is a simple question. And I'll ask you to explore this right now in your present moment. Are you aware? Do you know that you're aware right now? If you're listening to me, if you've heard that question and you're not kind of thinking about something else, probably the answer is yes, you know that you are aware. And yet you may not know exactly how you know you're aware. But that's okay. You know that you're aware. That's kind of the beginning of the recognition of awareness itself. Do I, I, I know that I'm aware. Yes, I know that I'm aware. And with knowing that I'm aware, what am I aware of? What is obvious in this moment? Are you aware? And what is the very most obvious thing? This piece of the practice can be a little unfamiliar if you haven't practiced a receptive style of meditation before because mostly in our meditation we have, okay, am I aware? I do something with that. Pay attention to the breath. In this case, am I aware? What's obvious? Sometimes our mind kind of flails. It's like, well, what is obvious? We try to find something that's obvious. And what I'd encourage is more of a settle back. Wait for something to come to you. And maybe it's as simple as, well, yeah, I know I'm aware, and I'm aware of, of seeing, seeing Andrea speak. It can be that simple. Or I'm aware of hearing. Or I'm aware of kind of a body 
sensation. The pressure of my butt on the, fl- on the, the chair or cushion or bench. Just something simple. What is obvious here? So am I aware? And what am I aware of? One way that I've expressed this receptive practice during this week, and this week is the kind of the last day of a week-long non-residential retreat that I've been um, offering for a group. And, um, you know, in some ways the, the, you know, this receptivity of what's happening is kind of looking at or being interested in a, the, a factor of the mind uh, attention. The factor of attention. Attention and mindfulness are different factors in our mind. And we, many of us have, at least I know I had, especially early in my practice, conflated those two. I thought that if I was mindful, I had to be choosing what I was mindful of. I had to be paying attention to something in particular. The factor of attention is kind of naturally happening in every single moment. In every single moment, whether I am consciously choosing or not, there is something the mind is interested in paying attention to. It's kind of like that, that, that baby again. That, that baby may not be consciously saying, oh, I want to pay attention to that or that, but there's something the attention is drawn to. And maybe that baby isn't deciding what it's going to pay attention to, but it's, it is attending to something. And this is, the, this is what we're exploring, is what is that attention already kind of connecting with? What is naturally being known in this moment? I talked, uh, there, this analogy that I used earlier is, earlier this week, is that uh, um, taking a dog for a walk you know, the, a, a, a dog, when you take a dog for a walk, is kind of just interested in stuff, right? It's like, oh, what's that smell? What's that, what's that um, sight? You know, let me get my nose in that. And it's just kind of like shifting from thing to thing to thing. And, and our job in this uh, process of taking the dog for the walk is to hold on to the leash and to make sure that the dog doesn't get lost, and so, you know, we hold on to the, the leash and the dog can then do its thing. It will pay attention to all these things. And so similarly in our practice, we kind of let go of trying to control the attention, but we see what does it mean to stay present for the attention shifting from thing to thing to thing. And to me, so it may have a sense of feeling like you're following the attention, or it might have a sense of settling back and kind of letting things kind of come in. Kind of feeling like we're just like letting a tumble flow through us. So this is, this is what we're exploring. And the, the, the tool with respect to mindfulness is very simple. It's, am I aware? We could use that question. Am I aware? First, connecting to that. Awareness itself. And then what is that awareness already knowing? What is already happening? And if there's nothing obvious, it's fine to just settle back and know, well, okay, I know I'm aware. Not sure what I'm aware of, but I know that I'm aware. That's okay. You can kind of hang in that space. At some point, 
something will become obvious. And it may be, it may be like, um, you know, you're sitting here and it's like, yep, no, I'm aware. It kind of feels vague and diffuse and just like, I don't know, it's just like stuff. Okay, so stuff, that's what I'm aware of, stuff. And then suddenly uh, a horn goes off outside and it's like, oh, poof, the mind is like, yeah, that, I know I'm aware of that. The attention is drawn to that. And we can clearly recognize that. And then the, the horn stops and it kind of maybe goes back to diffuseness. But maybe in that diffuse experience, at times there's like, oh, there's a sensation or a twinge in the body. Or there's a thought in the mind. Or there's a feeling, an emotion. Or there's a body sensation. And over time, we just start to kind of be able to connect with this flow of, oh, this is this human experience happening in this moment. So that's a little bit about mindfulness in this practice. It's really simple. We don't need to choose something to pay attention to. If, however, you do find in that, am I aware? What am I aware of? The mind feels like it's just flailing. Pick something obvious in this moment. It could be anything. It might be just hands or the butt, the, you know, the, the hips touching the chair or cushion or bench. Just something obvious. And then see if you can not try to hold on to that. But as you connect with that, it's like, and then what's the next thing that comes in? The effort is the next piece. How we make effort in this practice. Because in our traditional practices, we kind of know what we're doing, right? It's like, okay, what I do is come back to this primary object. And so it gives the mind something to do. Our, our effort here um, may be a, a little bit of these questions. That's a little bit of effort that we can, can be exploring. It's like, am I aware? And we're not trying to, to again, the, the dropping in of these questions is not about trying to answer them. It's more just orienting the mind to be curious. Okay, am I aware? Yeah. Okay. What? Seeing is what's obvious. In this moment... A sense of contraction in the stomach is what's obvious. And hearing now is what's obvious. I'm naming this as I go. This is my own experience. I'm narrating. Dryness in the mouth is what's obvious. Relaxation in the body is what's obvious. A breath is what's obvious. Hearing is what's obvious. Seeing, happiness, hearing, happiness, a breath, seeing, just a flow of human experience. And over time, the mind can get very, very settled. But the effort that we make is very light. So the effort is staying connected to the experience. Perhaps using those questions. And we could use a noting, but it's not, it's, it, it's more of just a kind of an acknowledgement. The noting might just be a little acknowledgement of, oh, this is what's obvious. And over time, what I find is that that need to name or know what the mind is aware of diminishes and it's more just a being with a flow of experience and so the effort that we make in this practice has a very light touch 
in this moment, I'm going to ask you to, to just notice some areas of your experience. Notice the sensations of your hands right now. Notice the sound of my voice. Perhaps the contact of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench. Maybe you can notice that. Your hands, your feet. How hard is it, as I name each of those areas, for the attention to kind of just, in a moment, know something about that? Usually... It's not so hard. I say, oh, can you notice something about your hands? And, and there it is. Or know the sound of my voice. And there it is. You're aware of that. And so in a moment, for a moment, it is usually not that hard to be mindful, to know that we know. It is a very simple thing. What is more challenging is to sustain that over time. We don't have a habit of that. And so what often happens is that we notice something and then we start thinking about it. And so the, the, the kind of the level of effort in this practice is to recognize the light touch there of, of the simple. It's like, oh, in this moment, how much effort does it take to be with this thing right now, this experience? It doesn't take much effort. And then a little bit of connection to, and now, in this moment, what's happening? Just moment after moment. Enough effort to stay present for this second. For this half a second. For this sound. For this sight. For this breath. For this relaxation. Just enough effort to know this. And then do it again. And do it again. And do it again. What our minds typically do is pick up the idea, oh, I need to do this again and again and again. Oh, and that's so hard. Oh, I can't. It's just like we pick up the effort that we think it's going to take to be present for 30 minutes in the first moments of the sitting and get exhausted and feel like, I can't do this. Or we, we try to bear down and say, I'm going to hold my mind here. I'm going to keep it here. And we add extra effort to our mindfulness. And so the, uh, the exploration here is to just, just enough effort to be present for this moment. And then just enough effort to be present for the next moment. And the next moment. And the next moment. So a very light touch of effort moment after moment after moment. And so the effort in this practice is really just a gentle kind of reconnecting or reminding yourself, oh, can I be aware of this? And how about this? And what about this? At the beginning, we may need to remind ourselves a lot because the mind has a habit of getting lost in what it knows it notices. It's like, oh, noticing that. Noticing that sound. Noticing that thought. Noticing that feeling. It's kind of a, a, a very kind of steady reminder to be aware. And over time, as we um, 
get more familiar with being aware, we get more familiar with the kind of feeling of that mindfulness with a little bit of momentum. And, um, and we don't then need to remind ourselves as much. We may get a sense of, oh, am I aware? Yeah, and there's a feeling of, yeah, I'm aware. Still aware. Still aware. And then we may sense a kind of awakening or a kind of a, a pulling towards something. It's, oh, can I connect? Oh, can I, what is here again? What is here? There's an analogy that I use about this kind of um, gentle reminding uh, that can be helpful, and that's um, the analogy of riding a scooter. One of these, um, not a motor scooter, but one of the scooters that just has two wheels and you put your foot on the ground and you have to tap on the ground to get the scooter going. Um, At the beginning, when you're on that scooter, you have to tap. You have to tap pretty frequently to get the scooter going. You might put your foot down and push really hard to get it going if you want to go fast. But pretty quickly we recognize that that creates a pretty unstable kind of momentum. And just a little light tap, 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 tap creates a momentum that we can balance as we get the momentum going. And then we, we, we begin to recognize the feeling of the momentum of the scooter and we recognize we don't have to keep tapping. To get, the sco- to get the scooter going. In fact, putting your foot down gets in the way of the momentum after a certain point. But then you get familiar with the, because there's only a certain momentum for the, the, the scooter moving, movement, the movement, at some point you'll get familiar with the wobbling of that scooter, and you put your foot down and you tap again. It's kind of similar in the way the mindfulness works. It's like at the beginning, the, the reminding yourself, oh, am I aware? Am I aware? It's like that light tapping to get that momentum going. But at some point, there'll be a little bit of momentum and you get familiar with the feeling of, oh, this is mindfulness. Mindfulness has its momentum. It's, it's, it's moving. It's, it's functioning. And then you can let go of that gentle reminding and you'll start to get familiar with the feeling of mindfulness getting wobbly. The mi- feeling of mindfulness kind of getting pulled out. And, and then you can oh, connect again. Tap, tap, tap. Just, oh, this, this moment, this moment, this moment. The combination of this light touch of effort and the mindfulness creates a continuity of mindfulness. And that continuity of mindfulness is a form of concentration that... Uh, has a power. The power of mindfulness comes with its continuity. As the mindfulness gets more continuous, it has more capacity to see into all of that stuff that's going on inside. And so we we explore the possibility of cultivating this continuity of mindfulness. Those of you who are familiar with a kind of a concentration that comes from paying attention to the breath or one particular kind of experience the form or the way the concentration feels in this practice is a little different. It may not have that sense of stillness, of, of just like the mind just kind of landing on one thing and not, not moving to other things. That This kind of concentration may have a very dynamic feeling to it because it is receiving so much dynamic experience. And so 
the object or what we are aware of doesn't become stable in this kind of concentration. And yet the awareness becomes stable. And we begin to get a sense of that stability of the mindfulness itself. And that is concentration in this practice. And of course, the mind will wander. It's going to wander. And in fact, if you're new to this practice, it'll probably feel like it's wandering a lot more. Some of that may be that you're unfamiliar with the practice. And some of that may be that what we're exploring is seeing our minds. And one of the things that our minds do is think. And so you may find that there's thinking happening and you may be able to just, oh, what's happening right now is thinking. And so in the moment, if you can notice, oh, thinking is happening, that's already awareness, that's fine. And there will be times when the mind gets completely lost, pulled out into, uh, you know, whatever it, it's thinking about and not aware. And there'll be some moment when mindfulness returns. That moment when mindfulness returns, that's a moment to, to recognize, oh, aware again. That moment of awareness, you did not have to make that happen. It happens sp- spontaneously. That moment of mindfulness returning is a great moment. Partly because it points to that it is possible to be mindful without making a lot of effort. That moment when mindfulness returns is an effortless moment of mindfulness. And so that moment, noticing, oh, mindful, aware again. And what's obvious? We just check in immediately. Okay, am, yep, aware. And what, what am I aware of? It may be that because the mind has been wandering, there's something about that wandering. I mean, often when the mind wanders into thought, there's something constructed. If, we, if we've wandered into a thought about an argument that we had with a friend two days ago, there may be in the present moment when the mindfulness returns kind of uh, lingering feelings about that memory. That is what we can open to and be aware of. If you find that there's a lot of tension in the system when the mind becomes aware again, it can be useful to begin with that. Okay, wow, I'm aware again and the body feels like it's in knots. Acknowledge that, oh, tension. And then maybe go back to relaxing for a little while. There's no, there's no need to have an agenda about, about getting back to anything here. It's just supporting the conditions for an easeful connection with the present moment. So cultivating perhaps that relaxation. And then as we um, explore our mindfulness, as we recognize... Aware of what? Aware of what? And make this light touch of effort. That mindfulness itself is not necessarily enough to help us really deeply understand our minds because there's so much going on below the surface of our conscious awareness that that, those habits, those patterns, how we've been conditioned can actually be influencing how we're paying attention. We may, be, we may be noticing something and then have a subtle, like, a feeling of, oh, I, I hate this thing that I'm noticing. Or, oh, I really like this thing that I'm noticing. And so the, a, another piece of this practice is at, occasionally, from time to time, checking in, okay, I know that I'm aware and what I'm aware of, and how am I with this? What's my relationship to what I'm aware of? This begins to kind of get 
under the surface to that mental activity that tends to create struggle. Am, what is my relationship? My, my teacher, Sayadaw Utejaniya, uses the question, what's my attitude? What's the attitude in relationship to what's happening? Just checking in. How am I with what's happening? And there's four basic flavors that, that may be there in how I'm aware of what's happening. Maybe greed, wanting something to happen. So wanting, wanting something to continue. Or maybe aversion, wanting something to go away. Or maybe confusion, disconnection. Greed, aversion, delusion. Three flavors of, of attitude that may be present. The fourth flavor of attitude is what we could say is okayness. Balance of mind. Something's happening and it's no problem. That is also an attitude and that is what my teacher calls wise attitude. An attitude that allows whatever is happening, that creates the conditions for us to feel at ease with whatever is happening. And that may also be what is is happening as you check into your relationship. It may be greed, aversion, delusion, but also leave open the possibility that, oh, no problem is what's happening. Okayness is what's happening. Okayness and no problem are pretty subtle. We don't usually recognize that. We may recognize happiness and joy, but simply okay? Often we don't notice that. And actually it can be really helpful to recognize the mind is not having a problem with what's going on. That can be very supportive for this movement towards the kind of mindfulness the Buddha encouraged in uh, understanding our minds. And I'll talk more about the attitude as we go through. Um, This is a big piece of how this practice is transformative. So the basic practice, relax. Am I aware? What's obvious? And from time to time, checking in. How am I with what's happening? When we check in with how am I with what's happening, it's like what we're doing is kind of seeing, is there something there I hadn't noticed? And, and then it's just that we just let that be one of the things that's then in the field of what we are aware of. It's like, oh, I hadn't noticed that I didn't like that. Okay, not liking is what's happening at this moment. We don't have to do anything with it in particular other than notice it as another experience that's happening right now. So let's um, stand for a moment and then we'll do a... Um, a sitting. On the shorter side a little bit, it'll be like 20 minutes or so. So, um, and then we'll have, um, then we'll have a walking. So the body will get a little bit of a break. I know this first period is a long time to be sitting. So you can, you know, just stretch, find your Get your body comfortable enough to be able to sit for the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so.
We'll begin with exploring relaxation of the body. And at the beginning, I find it helpful to kind of consciously scan through the body and notice where there may be tension in the body and seeing if there can be a softening or relaxing. And so we'll do this in a kind of systematic way at the beginning. So letting the attention rest in the top of the head, relaxing. Seeing if there can be a relaxation of the muscles at the top of the head. And across the forehead, relaxing the face around the eyes, the forehead, the mouth. Relaxing the jaw. The neck. Back of the neck, the front of the neck. Relaxing the shoulders, softening the muscles of the shoulders, the arms. the hands. Relaxing the chest and upper back. Maybe taking a deeper breath at this point. And noticing how that supports the stretching and a relaxing of those muscles of the, around the rib cage. As you breathe in, they stretch. As you breathe out, they can relax. Maybe another deeper breath. And letting the breathing return to normal. Relaxing the stomach, the abdomen. The middle and lower back. And maybe seeing, seeing all the way down the spine from the, the base of the skull all the way down to the tailbone. Can there be a relaxation all the way along the spine? Relaxing the hips, the pelvis. Maybe even deep inside the hip socket, there might be able to be a softening and a relaxing. 
allowing the legs to relax, knees, the ankles, the feet. And then having relaxed the kind of the outer, the surface of the body, the muscles surrounding the skeleton. Sometimes it's also possible to allow a relaxation deep within the body. So I'll just name some areas and see if this evokes the possibility of relaxing. Maybe it may be or maybe not, so it's okay. You don't have to try to make it happen. But just check in and see. Maybe the inside of the throat can relax. Maybe the heart can relax. Maybe the stomach and the intestines can relax. And then perhaps the mind can relax. The word in Pali, in the language of the Buddha, for mind, is actually the same as the word for heart. And so maybe the heart mind and relax. As there is a relaxation of body and mind, it can be more easy, it can be easier to recognize that you are aware. Are you aware? Again, you may know that you're aware but not quite know how. That's okay. It's like, am I aware? If you're listening, connecting to my words and understanding the words, the answer is probably yes. You are aware. And what is obvious in this moment? Often, at the beginning, what is obvious tends to be obvious physical sensation. Perhaps the sound of my voice or the contact of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench. or some sensation in the body. What is obvious? Relax. Let it come to you. No need to search. Are you aware? What is obvious?
You may also notice not only physical experience, but sound. Or feelings, moods, emotions. Or even thoughts kind of flitting through. Exploring whether there might be this kind of gentle, continuous connection. Hearing is happening right now. Feeling. Hearing. feeling breath moment after moment are you aware what's obvious remembering the light touch only needing to make enough effort to be present for this, just this. And then again, just this, just this. Are you aware? What is obvious? From time to time, you might also recognize and check in. How am I with what's happening? There's this experience of body sensation or hearing and what's the relationship Wanting something to stop happening. Wanting something to keep happening. Confusion. Or this is okay. Relax. 
recognize awareness. Receive what is obvious. And open to the attitude. How am I? What's the relationship? And we can think of these four words as being kind of the framing of the practice. Relax. Recognize awareness. Receive what's obvious. Relationship to experience. Relax. Recognize. Receive. And from time to time, what's the relationship? Are you aware? What is obvious? Light touch. You're reminding yourself to be connected. And of course the mind will wander. At some point, after wandering, there will be the re-arising of mindfulness. See if there can be an interest in that. Mindfulness is back. Aware again. Recognize, aware. This is awareness. Effortlessly aware. And what is obvious in that moment? If tension is obvious in that moment, it can be useful to explore, relax again. Relax the body. Relax the heart the mind. And connect again, aware, what's obvious.
relax. Receiving experience. Noticing the relationship from time to time. The relationship might be kind of more about ideas. That should be happening, that shouldn't be happening. Acknowledging that too as just something here. Appreciating that the mind has become aware of something that had perhaps been below the surface of awareness. Are you aware? What is obvious? Remembering awareness, gently reminding yourself aware of what?
So in a few minutes we'll have a walking meditation. And um, I'd like to offer some suggestions about the walking practice. And then following the walking there'll be an opportunity for questions. So give you a chance to practice both with the sitting and the walking and then we'll come back for questions about the practice. Um, One of the things I really love about this particular style of practice is that the instructions, they're so simple, the instructions, and they are possible. It is possible to engage with the simple, aware of what? Pretty much in whatever we're doing. And so the instructions for this practice are the same, whether you're sitting in meditation or walking, or in the grocery store, or on the computer, or talking to a partner, or a co-worker. Same instructions. Aware. Of what? This gets more and more natural as we cultivate this kind of awareness. It gets more more, uh, natural for it to be there as opposed to having to remember to prompt it. In the sitting meditation and in the formal walking meditation, we do have the, um, the opportunity to do a little bit more of this kind of engagement with reminding ourselves to be aware. In the midst of daily life, often what we can do is begin to recognize when we are aware and that kind of, that momentum I talked about, like we're riding that scooter. As we're in that kind of momentum of mindfulness, then we just kind of take in that we're aware of whatever it is that we're doing. And we do find the possibility that mindfulness can begin to infuse conversations and writing, writing emails or engagement with um, web browsing or reading the newspaper or driving. This, this, this simple awareness can begin to infuse all of our experience. And so what we're doing is cultivating here, we're cultivating the, um, the familiarity with it in a formal way. And we'll do this also now in the walking practice. But basically the instructions are the same. Relax. Am I aware of what? And checking the relationship to experience from time to time. So that, that framing is, is, is the basic practice. At one point, when I was with my teacher in Burma, one of the, we had group interviews every few days, every four days or so, and a group of about eight or ten of us met with the teacher, and we would be able to ask him questions. And at one point, one of the, um, the other um, retreatants asked, Saidal, how do you practice walking meditation? And his response was, I don't practice walking meditation. I practice awareness while walking. It kind of turns around the, uh, the practice, really to be curious about, am I aware with whatever I'm doing? Pra- we practice awareness while sitting. We practice awareness while walking. We practice awareness while eating. We practice awareness while talking. We practice awareness while driving. We practice awareness while living. That's what this practice is about. And the sitting is the support for that possibility for awareness to be available while living. And so we practice awareness while walking. 
Again, the relaxation is a support for this, and so I like to encourage to start with relaxation while walking. And so begin, a good way to begin with relaxation while walking is to find a pace that feels comfortable. So like we do in the sitting, we kind of attune to how can the, the body be relaxed? Can the body be relaxed? Often while walking, one of the ways to support relaxation is to be attuned to the pace that you're walking and feel the feeling of ease. And so finding a pace that feels really comfortable. When you find the pace that feels comfortable, it's, it's likely that the body will become relaxed. And as the body becomes relaxed, there can be a, a little bit of a relaxation of mind. So start there with... Uh, finding a pace that feels comfortable. And then as that pace feels comfortable, exploring, am I aware? Knowing that I'm aware. Of what? Walking meditation offers the opportunity in this, in this day, in this formal practice, for us to get more familiar with what it means to be aware of seeing and hearing in our sitting meditation, we, uh, we close our eyes and so there's, there's not so much of the seeing and we're in a, a room that's a little secluded and so hearing comes in, but uh, we can often really uh, be a little more internal in our exploration. In walking, you're going to be right out there in the world and he, see, seeing and hearing are going to be big parts of what we are aware of. In other walking practices that some of you may have learned, there can be a kind of an inclination to restrict the attention, to focus more clearly on the feet while walking, to pay attention to the movement and kind of let it be a concentration practice, not let the attention go to seeing and hearing. In this practice, we're again exploring what does it mean to be aware while we do something. And so we're walking. Walking involves seeing and hearing, can we be aware while this is happening? And so again, there's this kind of curiosity of where does the attention move to? So am I aware of what? A lot of what you'll be aware of is seeing. And probably a good part of what you'll be aware of is hearing also. There'll be some, some part of your attention that is also taking in the physicality of walking, and so this kind of these terrains of seeing, of hearing, of the body moving, these are kind of the main, some of the main terrains the, the um, mindfulness may be aware of. And then also, how are we? What is the mind doing in relationship to experience? We see something. Attention is drawn to a flower, a beautiful flower. Liking arises in the mind. Maybe joy or delight That's how we are with that. We don't have to have any idea that seeing a flower and having delight arise in our mind is somehow not the meditation. That's what's happening. Aware of seeing and delight is what's happening. And so again, relax. Am I aware? What am I aware of? The mind may get lost thinking about something. When you notice that it's been lost, awareness is back. See if there's tension. Relax again. There may not be tension. When your mind returns from wandering, at least I notice this more and more 
that a good part of the time when the mind returns from wandering, there is actually sometimes more ease, more calm, more relaxation than before it wandered. And if we have an idea in the mind returning from wandering that, oh, something's wrong, we may miss that actually the mind has relaxed a little bit while it has wandered. That happens way more than you might think, that when the mind wanders, it actually wanders into relaxation. And when mindfulness returns, we have the possibility of seeing, oh, relaxed is already here. Don't need to do any relaxation. And so in the moment of mindfulness returning, you don't have to expect there to be tension. Just check and see what's here. What's here? So relax, recognize awareness and what's obvious. In the, in the walking meditation, in seeing and hearing in particular, there's a couple of um, things that we can be aware of that can be really helpful. And that is... Um, the attention, basically. As we're walking, sometimes the attention may be kind of more in a kind of a general sense of receiving just a flow of, you know, just like you're, you're kind of like a camera walking through space, and it's just like taking the feeling of stuff going by, and it, it feels just receptive. It's just seeing is happening. The mind isn't particularly interested in anything in what's being seen, but it's just like it's just seeing. And then at some point, the attention may be drawn to some experience. And that can happen because, for instance, there's a little puppy that goes across your path or a bird that flies across your path. Movement. There's a little wind. Movement will draw the attention. This is natural. This is a functioning of our minds. And so we may notice while we're seeing, suddenly, oh, looking at something. It can also happen because suddenly there's a a different color in the environment. So movement and color can be draws for the attention in seeing. If you notice that that the attention is shifting from seeing to looking, just notice that. Again, this is natural. While While you're walking and seeing, this function of attention going to movement and color helps us to navigate the walking. It's natural. It can be supportive. And so noticing that, oh, the attention has shifted. That movement, when the, when the attention shifts from seeing to looking, so that's, we can acknowledge that, oh, seeing, looking is happening. When the attention shifts from seeing to looking, that tends to be a place where the mind will wander if we haven't noticed that that attention has shifted from seeing to looking. And so that's a great thing to notice. Oh, seeing's happening. Looking is happening. Oh, back to seeing. You don't have to try to control that, but just notice that shift between seeing and looking. Likewise in hearing, something similar, a kind of, we may be taking in the ambient sound, just not really knowing, you know, not really attending to any sound in particular, just the taking in the, the, the whole of it. And then at some point, a crow or uh, the sound of a car and the attention is drawn to that and we are listening. So the distinction between hearing and listening. Receptive hearing, more directed listening. Just notice that shift. So we'll have about 
um, just about almost 30 minutes for walking. We'll come back at 11.35, and I'll ring the bell outside at uh, 11.30 so that you know it's time to come back. But again, I'd like to encourage you to, to take a more normal kind of walk um, and just see what happens as you... Pr- see if you can practice awareness while walking in a more normal way of being in the world. Um, you know, call this stealth mindfulness. In going through the, uh, the, the neighborhood, nobody should know you're meditating. So, we'll see you at about 11.35. <laughs>